On today's episode, we discuss the connection between the mouth, the body, and your health with biological holistic dentist, Dr. Michelle Jorgensen. reason for high blood pressure is low oxygenation and airway issues when you're asleep. And cardiologists don't understand this. They just put you on a medication to lower the blood pressure artificially. So now what you're doing is you're making the problem worse because now all you're doing is pumping really wimpy blood with very little oxygen to your cells, medication driven. No, I'm not going to let your heart pump very fast. So now every cell in your body is going to suffer because it has less oxygen than it should. So the high blood pressure is the sign and the symptom we need to pay attention to that you're not getting enough oxygen. Just shutting off the pumping is not fixing the problem. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the signs to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. I am super excited and grateful to be with you today. Thank you for pressing play. Hey, you can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today, I have a colleague of mine, a brilliant, incredible practitioner, Dr. Michelle Jorgensen. I really believe this. Today's episode is one of the most important episodes we've done because it outlines these hidden stressors taking place in your mouth. So before we get into that, Michelle is going to share her story of pain to purpose and how she grew up in the dentistry field industry uh, pretty much off the bat. Her dad has been a dentist for a long time. He's 72 years old and still practicing. And her three brothers are all dentists. And she actually graduated from dental school at the age of 23. And something happened in her 30s where her health declined. She's going to share that story and why the reason was actually the mercury that she was exposed to throughout her dental career. So after she shares that story, we're going to dive deep into silver amalgam fillings. If you've been following my work, you know that part of my story, and I'll share that on today's episode, part of my story is that I was doing everything right for my health. I was doing keto fasting. This is 2015, 2016. I was spending over 500 bucks in supplements, and I didn't feel that great. And I had fillings in my mouth. So mercury is very detrimental. We'll get into some of the research and what it does to disrupt your hypothalamus pituitary, your thyroid, your adrenals, your gut. You're going to learn how mercury binds with zinc in the gut, which lowers stomach acid, which leads to digestive issues and acid reflux. And we'll, of course, talk about the solutions to mercury. But it's not just mercury. We're going to talk about root canals. We didn't get too much into cavitations because we ran out of time, but cavitations are also a big player here. We're going to get into 
breathing properly. This is something that gets missed by so many people. And this is a, a challenge for me. I've been working on this and I'll talk about that today. But when you're not breathing properly, and this is perfect timing because we recently had an episode with Matt Gallant all about sleep. And she's going to talk about when you're not sleeping properly or breathing properly during sleep, your body is in a fight or flight state and it's doing anything possible to wake you up, alert you, leading to waking up in the middle of the night or having to go to the restroom and not getting quality sleep. And it all starts with the mouth. She's going to share why she's not a fan of sleep apnea machines like the CPAP. She's going to discuss how not breathing right leads to adrenal issues, sympathetic dominance, draining your reserves all night long just to stay alive. She's going to talk about signs that this might be happening to you, which include gum recession, worn out teeth, bumps of bone under your tongue, jaw joint changes, and so much more. And then, of course, we get into some solutions. Sleep studies, CT scans called a 3D cone beam scan, myofunction therapy for the tongue, something I'm going to do, night lace, craniofacial release, and other incredible things that we can do. If you don't fix these issues, her research points out that there's a 20% shorter life expectancy. Yikes. And it's not a genetic issue. She'll talk about that. She's also going to make the link between allergies, seasonal allergies, and breathing issues. So sit back because this is going to blow your mind. Um, you might want to listen to this over and over and over. You might want to watch the YouTube video of today's podcast, which is on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp. Before I bring on Dr. Michelle Jorgensen, I want to take a minute to get to the Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from LRMI20 titled Fabulous. I've been fasting for a couple of years and I'm always looking for helpful, um, updated information to help me on my journey. This podcast is fabulous. Great information and great guests. Well, thank you so much. And good job with your fasting uh, for the past two years or so. That is awesome. Fasting is a game changer. It's an amazing ancient healing strategy. Great for the gut. Great for the brain. Great for insulin. Great for the, the body. So kudos to you. Thank you so much for listening and for taking the time to leave that review. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast, a rating and review as of yet, please do so right now. It really, really helps. If you haven't downloaded my vegetable oil allergy card, it's free. And it's one of the best ways to avoid these toxic, rancid, inflammatory seed oils at restaurants because restaurants will cook with them. So what I do is I just show them the card and it shows the eight inflammatory oils that you do not want them to cook your food in and the alternatives that are safer. All you need to do is head over to seedoilcard.com. You'll be sent the uh, PDF download of this vegetable oil card. It's free. And you can print it out or just have it on your phone and show the server that it'll be a great way to take less vegetable oil hits. So seedoilcard.com or click the link in the podcast notes down below. Okay, let's bring on Dr. Michelle Jorgensen. Dr. Michelle Jorgensen has created a dental practice unique from most others. They offer natural options and alternative ideas to give you the most choices for your individual needs. She is an author, speaker, teacher, biologic slash holistic dentist, and health and wellness provider. After practicing traditional dentistry for 10 years, she got very sick. And you're going to hear about that and what she did to learn about mercury and other 
hidden infections in the mouth. Since founding Total Care Dental in 2001, her dental practice has helped over 20,000 patients in Utah. Dr. Jorgensen and her team have been awarded the Dental Team of the Year and the Dental Practice of the Year at the prestigious Crown Cancels Members' Choice Award. They were also recipients of the Best in State in Utah Award. Here's Dr. Michelle Jorgensen. Dr. Michelle Jorgensen, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Today's conversation is so stinking important. Uh, and we're not talking about keto, by the way. Keto is great, but this is upstream root cause. Like you could do keto perfectly, fasting perfectly, but if you don't fix what we're going to talk about today, none of that will work. So I'm excited to get into this conversation. Before we get into some of the cool, amazing work that you're doing at your clinic and on social media, you have a really amazing story. Uh, being in the dental field most of your life, your dad has been a dentist for how long? Long time, 40, 50 years almost. <laughs> yeah. 40, 50 years, three brothers are all dentists. Yep. Share your story and what happened to your health being, a dent being in that dental field. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in dentistry and my father, like I said, is still practicing in his, you know, mid seventies and it had been a great career for him. And so I thought, well, this is a great thing for me to do too. So we started into, into dentistry and was practicing with him. After a few years, we came together and started practicing together. And at about eight years, 10 years in, I just started to not feel well. And you know, I mean, you work with a lot of people that don't feel well. So it's not like that's a unique story. I had gut issues and Honestly, how many people do you know that don't have gut issues these days? So I just started doing all the things you do. You change your diet, you change, you know, the way you're handling life and all of these things. And it, it helped. But like you'd said at your intro, it didn't help at all. You know, it wasn't all gone. And so I started working on other things. My big issues, though, were numbness in my hands. And as a dentist, my hands are my money. You know, this is, this is, this is what does the job. So it, it didn't work very well. And my memory... I've always had a good memory and I just couldn't remember things room to room with, you know, working with patients, I couldn't remember. So I knew something was really wrong. So I started, you know, MRIs and blood tests and on and on and on and no answers. And I eventually had my practice for sale. And this was really devastating to our family because my husband actually was working in the practice as well. This was our entire livelihood. If this ended, you know, I still had a million dollars debt on the practice and young family. Anyway, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started talking to colleagues and just trying to brainstorm, network, anything. And one of them said, you know, have you ever looked into mercury poisoning? And it's interesting because in dental school, we have a class called dental materials where we learn what's in the materials we use, but it's more of a scientific, just, you know, okay, these fillings have mercury in them, but it's not a big deal. They've been in there since the 1800s. They're really stable. You know, that's basically what we're told. And we're also told if you talk about this and tell anyone that it could affect their health, you're going to lose your license. So oh, that's the entire mercury talk. So I said, well, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't have any mercury fillings. And this, this practitioner said, it's not the fillings you have. It's all of the ones you've been drilling out for the last however many years with no protection whatsoever. And I've been a cosmetic dentist. So people don't like the way those fillings look. So we've been drilling them out just because, you know, they're ugly. And uh, there's no protection. We don't, we don't talk about this in dentistry. Nobody talks about the fact that all of that, once you're drilling it out, is releasing mercury vapors, you're breathing it in. Literally, your head's like right above. Oh my gosh. 
How many have you done up until that point? Could you estimate? Oh, thousands. <laughs> thousands of these procedures without being protected. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And everybody does. And my father has for 50 years. You know, he still hasn't. And uh, there's a piece to that that's kind of an interesting piece. But so I went and got tested. I thought, well, what else do I have to lose? You know, other than my entire career. <laughs> let's just try this out. So I went and got tested and mercury off the charts. So I thought, well, let's give this a try. So started working to get it out. But the doctor said, you can't get this out if you're continually putting it in. You know, that's not the way the body works here. We can't clear you. So is there any way you can do these procedures without breathing it in? And I didn't even know if there was a way. So I had to go and look and research. And I found an organization that already had protocol in place for this. I didn't know anything about it. I was shocked to find it. So I started just doing these things for myself. And then as I started doing it, I thought, well, gosh, this is probably going to help my dental assistant or the receptionist sitting up front, the entire HVAC system circulating all of this through the entire office, you know? And then, of course, patients, I thought, well, this, this is good for them. I mean, they don't have to sit through thousands of them, but they have to have the ones that they're using, you know, that they're being drilled out of their mouths. So I was really, uh, you know, just excited to kind of bring these things to the practice. And patients started to take note. They're like, oh, okay, well, my doctor's looking for somebody that does this kind of thing. Can I tell them about you? So then doctors started reaching out and they knew more than I did. They knew more about dentistry, about the the evils or the, you know, the things that could go wrong in dentistry than I did. And so they would start to teach me, well, have you learned about this? No, I have no clue what that even is. So then I'd have to go and research and take classes and learn. And it was not like there was just like this school that says, okay, go learn about how dentistry affects your health. No. You know, I went to like a veterinary conference to learn about ozone and it just, you know, you had to search far and wide. And as I did it, I went, whoa, I had no idea the effect that all the things I'm doing on a daily basis have on the rest of the body. And so I was my first student, you know, honestly, just learning for myself because the profession doesn't teach this. And then really finding how can dentistry, not only just from a mercury standpoint, but how from so many things, how can it really impact health and healing? And that's what I have been so excited to now be on a mission to provide is this kind of health and healing through the knowledge we now have about dentistry. So I didn't get there purposefully. Yeah, what a story. Uh, so a couple of questions. When you tested for mercury and you saw that it, it was off the charts, what kind of test did you do? So that's something that you need to understand is mercury hides in in organs and or hides in tissues. So if you just do, like people say, I'll oh, just do a hair analysis test. Okay, well, it's gonna show up with methyl mercury. Methyl mercury, I can't say this, methyl mercury is the kind found in tuna. It's the kind found in fish. That's not the same kind that we have in mercury fillings. We use organic mercury, or in, or anyway, it's a different kind of mercury in mercury fillings. So it might show some, but there's also gonna be a whole bunch lodged everywhere else. So you have to do something called a provocation test. You have to take something that then pulls that out of the tissue so you can then test it. And the best way to find the kind of mercury I was dealing with is through a urine test. So you use a, what's called a chelator, it pulls all the junk out, and then you collect your urine for the next however many hours and that's tested. So there's a lot of tests that do blood tests, they do spit tests, they do hair analysis, like I said, but you really need to provoke or pull it first to get an accurate reading. It's a great explanation and a very important to understand that because the backlash, and I've made a lot of videos on silver fillings being so detrimental, 
And conventional dentistry will make the argument that, no, they're totally safe. We've done blood tests on individuals with silver fillings, and it's totally fine. But to your point, it's not going to show in the blood. It moved to your tissues, to your brain, and it's stored in there. You have to provoke it. Even with a, a test that's going to chelate and provoke it, that's still not like, it's not going to be 100% accurate, but it's going to give you an idea, right? The most accurate way would be to do a biopsy, but nobody's going to do that. But uh, that is a. <laughs> I don't want to biopsy yeah. tomorrow. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> it's just doing a health history questionnaire and just understanding that you're exposed. You got mercury. So you found out you were loaded with mercury. You, you uh, detoxed it out of your body and then your health started to improve. How shortly after that did it start to improve? Not shortly. <laughs> it, it takes a while. Mercury takes a while. And honestly, I was still exposed to some. You know, there's no way to completely not have any mercury introduced when you're doing these restorations, when you're doing these procedures. I mean, we use all sorts of stuff, you know, and there's still going to be some. So it was a slow process for sure. And I had been told that I should do IV chelation or IV uh, treatment for this. And they told me I would have 97 treatments, 97 treatments at about an hour and a half each. And I looked at them and I thought, do you know my life? <laughs> <laughs> there is no way this is going to happen. You know, it's just not. I had little kids. Uh, there's just no way it was going to happen. So I did it once. And I've since learned, actually, that that's not a very effective way to do it. So I'm going to do it. Um, but it was the only thing I was told at the time. Um, so yeah, it was a slow process. I really feel like it was probably four or five years before I went, I got my brain back. Ah, this is really nice. But it was in progress. You know, things were improving along the way. It just wasn't all better. And I'm still in the profession. I'm still breathing it in. So I'm still detoxing and pulling and things. It's a, it's a nonstop thing for me. Yeah, that's the truth. It's years, not months. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel better in a few months. But in order to get to that optimal health, it's years of consistently doing this and getting the mercury out of your body and other metals as well. You know, my story, my backstory, when I was a kid, I had eight silver fillings put in my mouth from my conventional dentist. Of course, my parents not knowing any better, me not knowing any better. And then when I was, um, it was 2015, so I was like 30 years old, 31 years old, and I owned a CrossFit gym at that time. I was doing keto and intermittent fasting. I was taking like $500 worth of supplements every single day, and I was still exhausted. I was taking naps in between work sessions, I had brain fog, I had gut issues, and I'm like, what is going on? And then, of course, I discovered Dr. Pompa, and he wakes me up and lets me know that I have mercury in my mouth that's getting stored in my brain, and it's not allowing my organs to function as properly. So I seek out a biological dentist here in Miami where I live, and we do two appointments. So one side, remove four, other appointment, other side, remove uh, four, and he does it the right way, right? With uh, this suction machine, I'm all covered up, I'm breathing through my nose, it's like a hazmat scene, and I got them removed, which is step one, and then step two, of course, learning how to detox with Dr. Pompa. And then it wasn't until a few years later, after consistent detox, that, oh my gosh, I'm getting my health back and my life back. So my story is the same thing. And how many people out there are dealing with this right now? They have no idea the hidden reason why they don't feel well is right in their mouth. Yep. Yep. Because you don't put a finger on that. You know, you, why would you say, oh, my brain fog or my thyroid issues are related to my teeth? That's just, it's, it's, it's like a huge super highway between those two things. You Correct. know, people don't yeah. cross it very often. So that's really one of my things that I try to do is bridge those two together, say, all right, let's talk about how this actually does connect. And it does. 
It does. So let's talk about a little bit more about like what, what Mercury is doing in terms of digestion, right? When you were lecturing at Dr. Pompa's event, Live It to Lead It, amazing lecture. I actually rewatched it this morning to really get prepared for today, but I was there in person. I was just blown away by your research. You talked about uh, mercury, I believe, interfering with zinc and that lower stomach acid and disrupts the gut microbiome. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So mercury, it's interesting because people need to understand that the way our cells work is they have kind of docking stations. I like to think about, about it like the back of the Walmart. You know, there's all these trucks coming in and they're all backing into Walmart and then they pull all the stuff off. Well, that's how our cells work too, because there's all these docking stations where all these trucks pull up and dump their stuff. Well, there are certain docking stations for certain things. And in the stomach cells, they require zinc to actually dock in the cell and then stimulate that cell to be able to create stomach acid. Why do we need stomach acid? Well, stomach acid is the thing that actually breaks apart the food that we eat into the parts that our bodies can use. We can't just use big old hunks of things. It has to break it apart into minerals and amino acids and all of these things that our body then goes, ah, I know what to do with that. So we need the zinc to dock in the cell to be able to actually create that stomach acid. Well, unfortunately, mercury also will dock in the same cell, the same cell spot, basically, as zinc does. So if you have a lot of mercury in your system, it's going to dock in those cells and it's going to block zinc. So now the truck can't back up because there's some there's a truck already in the way. So the stomach acid is not formed because mercury doesn't activate those cells. Zinc does. So mercury is blocking the ability of zinc to be able to then lead to increased stomach acid. So we'll often see really low stomach acid. People are not absorbing nutrients. This connects all the way back. I literally spent the day yesterday with new patients and every single one was talking about nutrition and cavities and gum disease and said, it's all about gut function. If your gut cannot create acid, you cannot break food down and you simply are malnourished. No matter how many supplements, your $500 of supplements you are taking, your great diet, doesn't matter how good you're doing, if your stomach is not the environment to actually put that, change that food into a useful form, your body's malnourished and you'll show up with cavities, you'll show up with, you know, all, gum disease, brain fog, all the fatigue things that people complain about because your body can't absorb nutrients. And mercury is a big piece of that. What about mercury as it relates to the thyroid? What's going on with, uh, with mercury and uh, the conversion of T4 to T3 and just thyroid function in general? Mercury is not as, as what's the word, not effective. Um, it doesn't affect the thyroid as much as another big player in dentistry, which is called fluoride. And that's an even bigger player for the thyroid than mercury is. But mercury just gets in the way of every docking station. You know, and the way the thyroid hormone is activated is, again, it's the, the you have to have these iodine spots have to dock on the thyroid hormone to be able to activate that thyroid hormone. So if anything is blocking the truck backing up and hooking in, then it's not going to work. Mercury does that. Fluoride really does that because fluoride and iodine are actually cousins. If you look on the periodic table, they're all called halides. So fluoride, iodine, bromine, chlorine, they're all right next to each other. So they're all really closely related. So fluoride is the number one issue with thyroid hormone activation. When you have fluoride in the system, it will bind instead of iodine. And here's the crazy part. If you get a test to test, do I have low thyroid function? It'll show it's totally normal because you have the thyroid hormone, but it's bound by fluoride, not activated by iodine. So the test will come back to totally normal. I don't know what your problem is. You're fine. 
happens to so many people. It's like, uh, and, and so what about selenium? Does mercury also block selenium from docking? Mercury blocks everything. Everything. It's basically a bully, and it's just going to get in the way of everything that needs to work. And, you know, iodine and zinc are two big players because they are necessary for pretty much, especially iodine, for every cell that secretes something. So think about that. That's your stomach acid cells. That's every hormone-producing cell in the body is affected by iodine and Mercury, both, or fluoride, basically fluoride and mercury, the two big players in dentistry. Fluoride and mercury will block those secretion cells. So every hormone, every stomach function, all of those things are going to be affected. Oh my gosh. So for those who are watching and listening, they're probably thinking, well, I, I don't have silver fillings. I've never had them and I'm not a dentist, so I'm not exposed to them. But what about if their mom had silver fillings in their mouth when the mom gave birth to them? Is there a risk there too? Yeah, research has shown that about 80% of the mercury in the mom's tissues, when that baby is born, first baby particularly, about 80% of the, the mercury in the mom actually detoxes into the baby. So I'm a first child. My mom had a mouthful of silver fillings. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> so now I got hers in addition to all of my profession. And this is something that's useful to know too. You know, I have a father who, like I said, is still practicing dentistry. He never had these issues. Why? Well, I think part of it is I was a first child, so I already had mercury in my system before I even started delving into mercury in my profession. But I also have a genetic variation that doesn't allow me to process things the same way. It's called a methylation issue or a methylation variation. So I like to think of methylation as kind of the UPC code that our liver puts on toxins puts the coat on and then the, the body goes, zee, ding, ding. oh, bad one. Let's excrete this one. Let's throw this one out. Well, if you can't methylate, if you can't put the UPC coat on, then your body doesn't know what to do with it. So it often will just contain, will, will just keep it. So I don't have very good methylation. I can't put UPC codes on things very well. So my body held on to it where my father's body was able to get rid of it. It was able to tag it, toxin, dump it and he was able to get rid of it. So a lot of times people will say, gosh, I got so much sicker than my family or my friend or whomever. Well, we're all made a little differently and you need to understand that. So if you have some processing challenges, then you may simply not metabolize or dump these toxins the same way someone else does. And it's very personal. And just because someone else hasn't had this issue or they've had a mouthful of mercury fillings and it's never been a problem, doesn't mean that that's the case for you because your body works differently than theirs does. Yeah, so true. We all have a different size uh, stress bucket. And when that gets full, uh, that's when the symptoms manifest. And you already had your bucket was already loaded because of your mom giving birth to you with the mouth full of amalgams. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? 
I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but wild pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. Uh, that study is crazy. 80% of it is, is correlated to be in the baby's brain. Uh, the DRASH study, I believe it was, it's, it's crazy. So let me ask you this now. Somebody is listening or, or watching, they realize, okay, they have a mercury issue. What is the worst option here? To leave the fillings in their mouth or to get them removed from a regular dentist, not safely? It's actually worse to get it removed unsafely than to leave them be. Because when you're leaving them in the mouth, you are stimulating release every time you chew, every time you brush your teeth. And there's, I'm not going to lose my license because I'm telling you this today because research actually backs exactly what I'm telling you today. There are some things I can't tell you. I can't tell you it's causing your MS. I can't tell you some of those things, but I can tell you that it is released from those fillings 24 seven. And especially when you're brushing, clenching, chewing, those kinds of things. So that is true. However, when you are drilling out a filling, you are releasing massive amounts of mercury. So what now, you know, if you have a little bit that your body's releasing on a daily basis, if you have the correct UPC code, you know, process, you're able to get rid of it, you know, mostly. There's going to still be some that hangs around. But if you are getting massive doses of it, guaranteed your body's going to sock a lot of that away in other places. So find someone that does this safely. And the good news is there are more and more dentists that are doing this safely today than ever in the past. So you can find someone, hopefully within, you know, a few few hours of where you live nowadays. Yeah, definitely find somebody who's doing it the right way, a biological dentist. Uh, I usually send people to the IAOMT.org website. Is that a good resource as well? 
Yes, it is for this because the IAOMT actually is founded on two two things that they really are pushing through. One is mercury, and that's where you can find all of this research. If you go on IAOMT.org, you are going to find enormous resources for research on mercury and fluoride. Those are their two kind of their their hills they're going to die on <laughs> are fluoride and mercury. So yes, it's a very good source for for a dentist who can do that. Now, some of the other things that we do, maybe not always, but for mercury, yes. Um, we'll put a, a link for that down below for those who want to check out the website. You're also in Utah, so your website is livingwellwithdrmichelle.com. So if you want to go visit Michelle or her fly into Utah, like your clinic is there. It's a brilliant clinic. Is it actually in Salt Lake or where is it exactly in Utah? It's about an hour south of Salt Lake, so where you were for the, the conference. And my dental office site is Total Care Dental. So that's the one that's going to teach you a lot about dentistry. The Living Well site teaches you a lot about everything, but the Total Care Dental site is, is dental-specific. Got it. TotalCareDental.com. We'll put that down below. Okay, so we discussed mercury. We know how detrimental it is. Let's get it out the right way and detox it the right way. Let's transition now because now we have another issue. This is something that I'm also dealing with, and that's breathing issues, obstructed airways. And you're a master at teaching this, and I'd love for you to explain why this is such a big problem out there. You know, you mentioned the story I shared at the conference, and so I'll share it again with you. It's kind of a funny story. When I go on vacation, I often like to take my family on surprise vacations. It's fun for me to plan, and it's fun for them to go on. So a lot of times they don't know where they're going. And so one time we actually had another, it was a foreign exchange student from China living with us. We had a lot of people in our home and I knew we couldn't fly everybody somewhere. It was spring break. So I decided, all right, we're going to go to Oregon because it's drivable for us. It's, you know, 10 hours, it's drivable. So nobody knew where we were going. I give them clues every day on where we're going to show up and what we're going to do the next day. So I'm looking at where we're heading and I'm saying, okay, I've got to find something fun. Like I got all these teenagers. So I found these lava tubes. I didn't really know what a lava tube was, but it was just kind of an underground cave that lava had formed. So we pull up to the lava tubes. Again, I'm the only one who's planned this. So we pull up to the lava tubes and there's this metal staircase going down in a hole in the ground. And I mean, like we're in the United States. I've been in other countries and there's things like metal staircases going into the hole in a hole in the ground and nobody says a thing about it. You don't expect it here, you know? No, so there's like no I would have been like, uh, maybe I'm out of here. There's no sign saying death is imminent. You know, there's nothing <laughs> like that in this area. So thinking, all right, we're going down. So we take these metal stairs down into the earth and then you hit the, the, hit the earth and you start walking back underneath these caves. And at first, you know, everybody's having fun. This is cool. And there's plenty of room above your head. Everything's good. The deeper you go, the tighter it gets. So we're starting to, you know, having to bend over now. And I'm thinking, this was a bad idea. You know, it was only my idea, but it was a bad one. So, but I'm trying to be cool. So we're walking along and we're starting to bend over and then we have to start crawling because it's getting really tight, starting to crawl. And I'm thinking, I just don't want to be in here anymore. And then I see my son up ahead. Who's like the adventure boy, you know, and he has a red jacket on. And all of a sudden I see his red jacket disappear into this 
tunnel, this tube that he has to like shimmy in. And I freaked out. <laughs> I said, get me out of here. All of you now turn around now. We are not going to stay in here any longer. Nobody's going to die in these tubes underneath the ground. I don't care how cool I thought this was going to be. It is not cool anymore. So, you know, here my anxiety is just up, 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 right? My adrenaline, my cortisol, everything. I am burning through every last resource I have. That's my get out of Dodge, you know, the mama bear's going. So we make it back up to the top. Nobody dies, thankfully. But if you at night have an airway obstruction, if when you lay back your tongue, the tissue at the back of the throat, anything like that crowds out the tube that you breathe through, you are in essence crawling down in those lava tubes and you are going to have that exact same hormone spike, cortisol spike, adrenaline spike, all of those kinds of things during the night every time you can't breathe. Every time you get that claustrophobic, I can't breathe in here feeling, your body will spike the adrenaline. So why do you think you're tired in the morning? Because you used it all up just to get through the night. Why do you think your adrenals and your thyroid crash? Because you are limping along trying to use the last little bits of whatever they have, and there's nothing left for you. So this is enormous for anyone who's struggling with energy issues, hormone issues, thyroid, adrenal, anything like that. It's often going right back to what's happening when you're sleeping. How common is this? What, what are the stats for those in the United States who have this issue? Extremely common. About 75% of people have at least some degree of airway obstruction. It might not be all the way to sleep apnea and, you know, I'm stopping breathing, but at least there's some snoring, there's some obstruction, there's a lowering of oxygen level, those kinds of things. And we know what oxygen does. Oxygen is literally the lifeblood for the body. Every single cell requires oxygen. This is an interesting piece that people don't often think about. So how do we get oxygen to our cells? What brings the oxygen there? The blood, right? We breathe the air in and blood passes through the lungs. And so you get blood that doesn't have air or oxygen in it, gets oxygenated. That's the difference between red blood with lots of oxygen in it and the dark blood that's in our veins that doesn't have because it's coming back from where it already dumped off the oxygen. So we require oxygen in the, in the blood to be able to be taken to every single cell in our body. Every single cell requires it. Well, if you are not getting very much, your blood itself won't have much oxygen in it. Does that make sense? Like there just isn't much to fill it up. So guess what your body does? It has to pump harder and faster to get more blood to the tissue because the blood itself is not very rich. There's not much oxygen in it. So does anyone have any high blood pressure issues that they can't figure out? One of the very number one reason for high blood pressure is low oxygenation and airway issues when you're asleep. And cardiologists don't understand this. They just put you on a medication to lower the blood pressure artificially. So now what you're doing is you're making the problem worse because now all you're doing is pumping really wimpy blood with very little oxygen to your cells, medication driven. No, I'm not going to let your heart pump very fast. So now every cell in your body is going to suffer because it has less oxygen than it should. So the high blood pressure is the sign and the symptom we need to pay attention to that you're not getting enough oxygen. Just shutting off the pumping is not fixing the problem. That's a great explanation. So fascinating with the high blood pressure and it's definitely not getting to the root cause. If anything, it's making it worse to your point. So how does somebody 
know if they have this issue going on. Like a lot of my uh, audience, they have an aura ring. I have an aura ring. So they're able to see deep REM, how many times they woke up, and now it has oxygen saturation. Can that give you an idea if you're sleeping well or you have an, an obstruction? Absolutely. It can be your indicator. You know, it's your kind of your first red light, your, your engine lights coming on going, something's up, something's up. And you know, you, the nice thing about our ring and all of these other, you know, metabolic recording devices that we have available now is that you're able to compare because you may not know what it means. You know, what does it mean that I only dropped into deep sleep for seven minutes last night? You know, what does it mean that I did that? Well, they have a lot of comparisons now and information on there that can say, ah, you should have been at this level. You're not. All right, so what's up? And then you can start analyzing and going, well, okay, what did I do yesterday? You know, all right, I, I had a drink way late at night or I, you know, had coffee or something happened. I was really stressed. Okay, it makes sense. And if it's a one-off, it just happened once, then you go, yeah, it makes sense. But if you're seeing it consistently, then that's the sign that you need to sit up and pay attention. So what do you do next? A couple of things that are very useful, a sleep study. And the good news is you used to have to go to the, the hospital to do this, you know, and it was really, I went twice with my son and neither he nor I slept all night. And I thought, well, that was super, that uh, didn't work. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much for that uh, lack of sleep last night. You know, he had like 57 wires to his head and I'm like, how is anyone supposed to sleep with this on? So the good news is you don't have to do it that way anymore. There's a lot of take home devices that you can use through a dentist will do this. Uh, sometimes a sleep doctor, cardiologist, if they're, if they're actually clued in, will do this. Sleep centers and you take it home, you do it a couple of nights at home and it will give you what we're looking for is we want to see saturation, meaning how much oxygen you, are you getting. But we also want to see wakeful events. How many times are you waking during the night? Because you're not going to wake up. People will tell me, this is a big one. I'll say, oh, I just wake up to go to the bathroom. Common thing. I just wake up to go to the bathroom. In some people, that's true. However, the large majority of people, that's actually not true because there's a hormone that shuts off the need to go to the bathroom when we're in deep sleep. So when we're really sleeping, the body will not signal time to go to the bathroom. Mm. Is that ADH? Is that uh, antidiuretic hormone that you're yep. referring to? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so it will not signal it. Nothing will turn on until you wake up. So if you're waking up to go to the bathroom, you're waking up and then going to the bathroom. Does that make sense? Yeah. You didn't wake up because of the bathroom, you were awake, so then your body says, go to the bathroom, but you were already awake. And the reason you were awake is usually because your airway is blocked and your body says, you're gonna wake up or you're gonna die. So you better wake up. So you wake up, then your body goes, oh, wake, better go to the bathroom. Then you go to the bathroom and you think it's all about going to the bathroom, but it's not. It's the sign that you're waking up. So sleep study, CT scan. CT scan is a very specific, it's not the one you get at the hospital that's like a, you know, 57 billion slices of your head. It's a very dental specific, it's called a cone beam CT scan. And the one that you need for airway to see this is actually, it's called a full volume or a larger volume. Some CT scans that dentists have will just show your teeth. They'll just show right here. That's not enough. I need to see all the way back, you know, all the way back to your head and your airway, spine, all those kinds of things. And so it's a larger volume. You usually can find this through an oral surgeon office or a dentist that does sleep dentistry of some variety. That is going to show the actual physical what's happening. So the sleep study will show the effect of what's going on here. I'm not sleeping. The CT will show what physically is actually happening, causing that lack of sleep. So we're going to see the tube going from 
the nose and the mouth down to the lungs. We're going to see the size of it. We're going to see if the tongue and the tissue in the back of the throat is pushing back into that tube. We're going to see if your mouth is large enough to house the tongue and tissue. We're going to see a lot of things that will really help us decide what is the underlying problem. And once you've figured that out, then you can get to the treatment. That's wonderful. So the CT scan, is it the same thing as a 3D cone beam scan when you look at cavitations or is it a different scan? Same thing. You just have to make sure that it's full volume. That's the issue. A lot of times the volume is smaller because we're only looking at teeth. You have to just make sure it's a, it's a full skull. And you also referenced in your um, lecture that there's some other signs that to pay attention to. So you mentioned like gum recession, worn out front teeth, bumps of bone under the tongue from squeezing and clenching to flatten the tongue and open up the airway, and then jaw joint changes. So these are like visible things we could pay attention to, right? Yep. So if you have worn out front teeth, what's usually happening is if the tube back here is blocked by tongue tissue, those kinds of things, especially when you lay back, I mean, think about gravity, you lay back and in deep sleep, the definition of deep sleep is paralysis, meaning the entire, every muscle in the body is going to paralyze. So that tongue muscle, all the muscles that hold the airway open are going to relax. If you're laying back and that happens, and there's not enough room back there for all of those things to relax and still be able to get air by, you're going to do something to try to get more air. So the first thing the body will do is it will squeeze your teeth. When you squeeze the teeth, it flattens the tongue. Now, as soon as you engage a muscle, you've jumped out of deep sleep because the definition of deep sleep is paralysis. So if you're not getting much deep sleep, you're not necessarily waking, but you're jumping up to a, a lighter level of sleep, if that makes sense. You squeeze your teeth, jumping out of deep sleep, but it flattens your tongue and it's going to give you more air. You know, your body just says you can't really sleep that deeply because you stop breathing. So come on, <laughs> you know, get a little lighter, squeeze your teeth. Let's see what it can do. So it will cause bumps of bone down here underneath the tongue sometimes when that happens. So that's something to watch for. The next thing your body will do is move your bottom, bottom jaw forward like this, because if you do that, it pulls that tongue and bottom jaw forward. So you're going to show signs of wear on the front teeth. And a lot of times people say, oh, I just, it's just from chewing. It's just, well, I don't hit those teeth when I chew. <laughs> so there's, and I'll say that I'm like, bite together. Hmm, interesting. You don't, you don't touch those teeth at all. So uh, when are you doing that? Like, are you purposely doing that? Like you're rubbing them with a file? What are you doing in there? You know, people will be like, oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. You have to be doing this. When are you doing that? Well, not during the day. Nobody walks around like that. It's to get more air at night. So worn teeth, scalloping on the tongue. So if you stick your tongue out, then the edges kind of look scalloped on the edges. It's because when you squeeze, it sucks the tongue in to the indentations on the inside of your teeth, and it creates scallop marks. So these are all things that you can look for. Sore muscles when you wake up. Like when you wake up and you just go, gosh, I feel like I've been working out all night long. Why are these muscles so sore? It's because you have been working out all night long. Working to breathe all night long. And so these muscles get sore and tense and tight because of that. So these are all things you can pay attention to. Oh, and I want to get to like, what do we do about it in a second? But that's also my problem, right? My first problem was silver fillings, got that out safely. I'm still even detoxing to this day. Second problem for me, I had braces when I was a kid. I followed a standard American diet. <laughs> it's highly processed mush. And now my teeth are crowded, right? I have uh, a lot of these issues you're explaining the inside of my mouth, my dentist, my biological dentist, I think I told you when I saw you in person, he said it's like the highest he's ever seen. So now um, for the last three years, I've been using this 
uh, palette, this, uh, what is it called? The um, adapter palette? Is the that the name of it? Or? The palette expander. So I'm using that, but I speak all day and do a lot of content. So I'm only using it at night. So I'm not using it 24 seven. And it's improved. He showed me photos. I've seen photos of what I used to look like. I'm still working on this for myself. But what's interesting is I track my sleep and I'm getting pretty good deep sleep. I'm getting like an hour and a half, two hours every night. So how is my body like kind of overcompensating? I know I have to still take care of this, but why am I still seeing deep sleep on my end? Most likely because you've worked so much on inflammatory issues. Because if you think about the airway, it's soft tissue. And if you have inflammation in the body in general, you're going to have soft tissue swelling. That's just part of inflammation is swelling. So you don't have a lot of room. You know, everything's a little obstructed in here, but you are eating so well and supplementing so well that your inflammation levels are probably quite low. So the soft tissue that you have is like the true soft tissue, not the swollen soft tissue that a lot of people have because of high inflammation in the system. So most likely you have enough room because you're caring for yourself. And could you just continue doing what you're doing and be okay? Perhaps. You know, it's worth a sleep study probably to find out what's really happening. Is it only deep sleep that you're missing? Or actually, do you have low oxygen levels? So maybe you're staying asleep, but you're still running at about 92. You know, we should be 99 on oxygen levels. Maybe you're only about 92. So your blood isn't getting as much oxygen. Your tissues don't get as much oxygen as they should. But it's enough that your body's able to push through it. Does that make sense? So there's kind that of makes levels total sense. of sleep, you know? So you're getting enough deep sleep. And really the only way to do it, to know, is to test, is to test and see, is it okay? Am I doing all right? And if it is, then maybe you're fine and you don't need to expand anymore. Yeah, that's interesting because my dentist has suggested that to do a sleep study several times and I never really explored that. But now that you're explaining that, it might be a good idea. I know Aura does give me an oxygen saturation, but it's not going to be 100% accurate. But I'm usually between 95 and 98% with the Aura score. But again, uh, that's not 100% accurate. So it's, I'm wondering if my body is... Uh, lowering oxygen for whatever reason, and a sleep study would verify that. But you know, just from an, an aesthetic standpoint, like I want to get my teeth fixed, I want to have straight teeth. One of the most common comments I get on social media, you know, we have haters out there. They're always like making fun of my teeth, and I'm like, thank you, I'm working on it. Like, thank you, I'm working on it. <laughs> my for dentist gave it out again. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll I'll put like a tooth emoji and say I'm working on it. Thank you for letting me know because it's something that I want to take care of. Uh, whatever, it is an aesthetic thing, but also most importantly, a health thing. I want to make sure I have a healthy jaw and I, I get the airway going. So in the beginning, my dentist told me, you have two options to correct this. We could do surgery to kind of fix this. He doesn't recommend that. We could do the long route and use this palate. It's going to take time. So we took that route, but it's been three years and I'm like, I'm just ready to get this fixed because it's just been a process. So that's, that's what's going on with me, doc. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and actually there's a really good piece there that we need to talk about. It's one way to fix your teeth, you know, if you wanted straighter teeth rapidly is to take out four teeth, to take out four bicustids right here. It would fix it rapidly because what it would do is it would give more space. And so the teeth that are crowded in the front would be able to stretch towards the back and it would give more space. The trouble is when you do that, what you've done is you've actually made, because all those teeth have to be brought together, you know, and there's not enough teeth in there to fill in all the space if you took out some. You don't have a whole extra tooth in your mouth, you know, you don't have four teeth in your mouth space wise. So that jaw is going to be made smaller if you take out teeth. And there were literally a whole generation of people that this happened. It was the easy way to do braces. You got straight teeth really fast, but it permanently made that upper jaw too small. And so we have a whole generation of people who are living on Ambien. 
interesting. Mm. <laughs> you made a video about that. You got a lot of heat, right? A lot of dentists came after you saying, oh, how yeah. dare you? You're not an orthodontist, but that makes total sense. I mean, you don't want to do that. Um, it's a bad option. It's... You know, I always like the heat ones because I'm like, ah, we've touched on a good one. We need yes. to talk about this. <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> totally. <going. laughs> Make another video. Like, let's get them really going, right? Exactly. Totally, right. yeah. Hey, Keto Camper, there's something that I do every single day to supercharge my mitochondria to help with inflammation and soreness from a workout, and that is the use of red light therapy. This is called photobiomodulation, and there's a ton of research that shows the benefits of near-infrared and red light therapy. The red light therapy that I use is from Bon Charge. I simply use it 10 to 20 minutes per day. It has both near-infrared and red light, and every single day when I use this, I feel ready to take on my day. So whether you're dealing with gut pain, joint inflammation, or you want to just supercharge your mitochondria, get your hands on a quality red light therapy device. And I highly recommend the one from Bond Charge. They hooked you all up for being a KetoCamp podcast listener with a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do, check out this product and all the wonderful products they have available is to go to bondcharge.com slash KetoCamp and use the coupon code KetoCamp at checkout to save 15% off your order. We will drop that link and coupon code in the podcast notes. Go check it out. And let's get right back to this episode. What are the solutions here? Get a sleep study for sure. Verify what's going on here. A palate adapter like I'm doing. But what else can we do here? Yep. So most likely part of your issue is actually tongue position. I don't know if anyone's ever told you if you have a tongue tie or not. The way the tongue works developmentally is it goes to the roof of the mouth and it is what creates suction with the nipple, the bottle, whatever it is that we sucked on when we were a baby. The tongue pressure forms the upper jaw. So most likely your tongue is tied. It couldn't go up to the roof of the mouth. So it formed a very high, it's called a vaulted palate, a very high vaulted palate like this, because if it was nice and wide, well, if your tongue could go up, it would be nice and wide. So most likely you have a tongue tie that ties the tongue down to the floor of the mouth. That also positions the tongue back and down in your mouth even now. So we actually do what's called myofunctional exercises and therapy. So we retrain the tongue to go up and forward. If it's tied, it's not going to be able to do it at first, but we have to train the muscles to know how to do it. And then at a certain point in treatment, we then release that tongue tie. We use a laser. We release that tongue tie so the tongue is able to go up and forward. The thing in your situation is the tongue is an incredibly strong muscle. So if you can get your tongue working for you, it will actually push up and outward and help with the expansion that you're trying to do with the device you're using. So myofunctional exercises along with a tongue tie release is very useful. Sometimes that's all people need is just that. So that's one step you could do that you personally could do. Yeah. So before we move on to the next one, my dentist gave me like a whole list of exercises to do with my tongue that I didn't do. So you're telling me to do them and then maybe get like a, what did you call it? a tongue tie release as well is what yep. you do. And I recommend using a therapist to go along with it. So we actually have a couple of team members in our practice that do this through Zoom. So it's from anyone, anywhere. And the nice thing is, is, I mean, let's get real. 
accountability is a real thing. You know, if you know you're paying somebody and you're going to get on a Zoom call with her once a week and she's going to have you show what you've been doing during the week, how much more likely are you to actually do it? Yeah, I would be there. You know, I would totally be there. Yeah. You do it because you're not going to want to get on that Zoom call and be like, uh, so my tongue's super lame and I didn't do anything this week. <laughs> right, and- yeah. Accountability is real. So uh, I recommend if you're going to do this, find a therapist that you can do it with that will help navigate when is it time for that tongue tie release, at what stage, because you have to have achieved certain milestones, you know, before that's released, those kinds of things. So you need to do it. You need to do it because then the tongue will help with the expansion. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay, well, I'm going to talk to you offline about working with one of your tongue therapists. Is that what we're calling them? Myofunctional therapist, it's called. Myofunctional therapist. People can do if they're just snoring, but like their mouth is okay, they're not trying to straighten teeth, is something called night lace. And there's doctors around the country that do this. And what it is, is the tissue in the back of the throat. It's like every bit of, I'm like, I look at my, my neck on Zoom. I'm like, ah, oh, it's so saggy. You know, but everything just starts to sag as we get a little older, including the tissue at the back of the throat. And if you have struggled to get air, that tissue, that uvula, you know, you hear it, soft palate, the uvula, all that tissue, it gets caught in the airflow. And if you're straining for air, if it's, you know, you have to take some pretty deep breaths, that tissue gets caught in that vacuum of flow and it will stretch it out. And so it's also, you know, it's gravity, it's age, but it's also flow. And that tissue will get so stretched out that you can look in the back of your throat and you can't see a throat. Like there's nothing back there. So that tissue is literally flapping in the wind and obstructing when you're trying to breathe at night. So the laser treatment shrinks the collagen in that tissue. It shrinks it up. It's not like a permanent one-time deal and you're done forever. It's one of those things that requires maintenance, kind of like Botox or any of these other things, you know, it works. But we usually use about one year, once a year, we do a maintenance visit and it's not painful. You're not numb for it. It's warm. Honestly, that's what it is. is It's just warm and it's just going to shrink up that collagen and get it out of the way of the airflow. So that's a simple thing people can do. Expanders, absolutely. And actually, this is this is my mission right now. This is the next thing I'm learning. Cranial facial orthopedics, we're calling it. Basically, why do so many people have crooked teeth? Why do so many people need their wisdom teeth out? What's going on? Because if we look at genetics, Michelle, it's just genetics. The problem is it's not genetics because genetics (laughs) will, you will see a deviation in symptoms within about 50 generations. 27,000 years, I think you said by Dr. Carucci, Carusini. Yeah. We're seeing this in one and two generations. So we know this is not genetic. This is environmental. We know it's environmental. So this is my new mission is to figure out how to help children's mouths develop to have room for all their teeth. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if your mouth just had room for all those teeth? Then no haters would say a word, you know? Yeah, right, exactly. And I would feel so much better too. <laughs> exactly. You know, and you breathe and everything would be fabulous. So that's the goal. And the, the cool thing is, is there's ways to reverse this in adults too. So that's the goal is that we can grow mouths in a way developmentally that allow room for all of this and an adult that we can regrow things. So in your case, you've used a slow road to China way, you know, with, with a removable appliance that you can only wear a certain number of hours a day because of your profession. It's, it's understandable. 
what I'm doing is researching some fixed appliance options now. So you can't take them in and out. <laughs> They're there all the time and they move a little faster and you see results a little quicker. And the, some of those things are things I'm really working to hone in. There are doctors doing this a few here and there throughout the country. So we can find them and we can you know, reference some of the things for people to search for. But that's really the true answer is let's rebuild the mouths in a way that there's room for everything that should be there. And if that's the case, breathe. Yeah, I love that. I mean, why not do it at the early stages so they never have to get to this point? So it's such a worthy ideal. I tend to lose to um, when I speak a lot if I'm, like at a conference or I'm doing a lot of uh, content creation and I'm speaking a lot. I tend to strain my voice a lot and actually like lose my voice very often. Is there a correlation here between what's going on with my airway and me losing my voice often? 100% because if you have limited airflow, think about the way a vocal cords work. It's airflow passing by the vocal cord causing the vibration, and that's how sound is made. So if you have limited airflow or if you have to strain to get that airflow, you're not going to be able to produce the sound with the same amount of effort. You're going to have to require more effort to be able to get the sound out. So that's number one piece. The second piece, I literally lost my voice. I'm, a, I'm actually a trained operatic soprano, okay? And I, I couldn't, I, all the way through graduate school, I could not sing for about a year. I could sing tenor. Like I could not finish a line without stopping to breathe. And I'm like, what is going on? I figured out it was adrenal strength. Adrenal strength is necessary to actually create enough pressure to allow the airflow past the vocal cords. So most likely you do have some adrenal insufficiency because of your airway issues, you know, cause you're straining at night, you're running out your adrenal reserves. So then when you get to something that requires a lot of it, I mean, you're on when you're speaking, you need those, those adrenals full of everything you got. You don't have them. They're not full when you start. So you're out of, you're out before you should be. Oh, that makes total sense. Not to mention the mercury that beat up my adrenals as well. So yeah, makes complete sense. We have a couple more minutes here and maybe two minutes or less. I'd love for you to explain sleep apnea and um, why you're not a fan of the CPAP. And a lot of people, a lot of my audience, they have sleep apnea. They use a CPAP. If you'd explain a little bit more about what are some better options versus a CPAP. Yeah. So a CPAP, the idea is good. You know, it's great. You're going to force air down the airway to get it to the lungs, which is where it needs to go. Remember we talked about that's where it needs to go to be able to get air to everywhere else, oxygen everywhere. The problem with it is like anything in our body, if we artificially supply it, then the body quits telling itself to supply it on its own. This happens with hormone replacement, with everything. As soon as we start artificially supplying it, the body's innate you know, mechanisms to say, okay, give you more, give you more. They turn off because they don't need to anymore. They get lazy. So does our brain centers to say, let's breathe. So if you're artificially supplying your body with oxygen all night long, the instinct to breathe actually turns off or at least decreases significantly. So now you have all day long that you still need to breathe. You don't, you're not wearing this mask all day long and your brain is not really in tune with you needing to breathe. So you're going to be airway or oxygen deficient during the daytime because you're supplementing it during the nighttime. The other thing is, is who really wants to be married to that thing? Because it's a marriage. You know, you're with that every single night. <laughs> and you know, who really wants to be married to that? No one. So if there's a way to fix it other than that, that's what I'm all about. So the goal is find the reason. 
Is it because that tissue has been sucked down in that airway too long and we just need to shrink it up? Is it because there's infection in the mouth? We didn't even touch on that, but you know, there's infection. Right, yeah. <laughs> now's cavitate, you know, wisdom tooth removal areas. Is there infection there that's causing the tissue to swell? Is your mouth just too small because you had a tongue tie? The tongue didn't develop the, the roof of the mouth properly. The teeth aren't fitting. Nothing's fitting inside of the mouth. You have to discover the cause. Once you've discovered the cause, then you say, okay, get the infection out, shrink up the tissue, expand the upper jaw. Those are the solutions that are the long-term solutions. I have to throw in one thing real quick in the last minute here. There is something called an advancement appliance that just brings the jaw forward. And the idea is good. Remember, that's what you do automatically because it opens up the airway. The trouble is, is when you hold that jaw forward and it's usually held there, fixed with the, the appliance, holds it there, it's stretching the ligament out that holds this jaw joint in place. And what we find is about two and a half years after using this appliance all night long every night is now you're starting to get jaw joint degeneration. You're getting permanent jaw joint changes because, you know, think about if you, if you were to hyperextend your knee all night long every night. Well, eventually things aren't going to work so good in that knee anymore. That's what you're doing when you're doing this is you're hyperextending basically this jaw joint all night long. It gives you more air, but you're damaging the joints over the long run. So my huge preference is let's fix the underlying problem so that this is a permanent solution. No appliance needed, no mask needed, nothing needed. You're just breathing and sleeping like you should. That's what it's about, getting to the cause. So for those of you who are watching and listening, if you want to learn more about Dr. Michelle or work with Dr. Michelle, her website is totalcaredental.com. If you're interested in more of uh, the other content and courses that you have, that is livingwellwithdrmichelle.com, two L's in Michelle. And then your Instagram is fantastic. Everybody go follow at livingwellwithdrmichelle on Instagram. You have some great reels. You're just fantastic. Anywhere else you want them to go? Uh, if you're dental specific, Total Care Dental. It's Total Care Dental Utah on Instagram. And that's all dental stuff. So if you want to go there, Total Care Dental Utah on Instagram as well. And there's YouTube channel. There's anyway, I just like to give away stuff. I like to teach things. So just go find some of it. Yeah, I love it. We'll put that down below. I have a quick last question for you. I always close the episode talking about my favorite supplement, which is vitamin G gratitude. And my question for you is what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for friends that support me. I've had some challenges with our family lately, and I cannot believe the outpouring of love that we have received. So really, you know what? When people look at anger and hate and all those kinds of things, that's not what the world actually has for you. That's a tiny little piece that everyone likes to talk about. The rest of the world is full of love and gratitude and kindness, and it's just they're waiting for us. Amen to that. Well, I've got gratitude and love for you. Thank you so much for coming on here and educating us. I'm so excited we get to you know be in the same group together and I just get to learn from you. So thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. I told you it was going to be eye-opening, light bulb moments, aha moments throughout. It's such an important discussion. If you want to learn more about Dr. Michelle Jorgensen, her personal website where she has nutrition tips, et cetera, is livingwellwithdrmichelle.com, two L's in Dr. Michelle. Her dental practice website is totalcaredental.com. I encourage you to follow her on Instagram if you're on Instagram at livingwellwithdrmichelle. She's got some fantastic videos. And please share this with somebody you know. Post it on social media. Tag me if you're going to do that on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at the Benazzotti. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview that's on our YouTube channel, 
youtube.com slash keto camp. I really hope this uh, made a big difference for you. And um, now you know exactly the connection between the mouth, the body, and your health. Now we can do something about it. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review. Go download my seed oil card over at seedoilcard.com and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.